on episode 16 of the Game Devs Podcast Out of Play Area, we kick it with Stefan Carmignani, a dear old buddy from my days in Montreal, where we worked together on a project codenamed Metallica, where he served as the level design director. I thought he had a such great sense, not only for his craft, but also on being a solid people manager and a heck of a teammate. Knows how to have a good time. He's now a creative director at Rovio in Montreal, and he's done level design for Batman Arkham Origins, Sex Human Revolution, Army of Two, The 40th Day, Splinter Cell Conviction, and more. He's a veteran in the industry since the late 90s, and we go in on his work developing VR for arcades. We talk about the work it takes to build out a broad and diverse team, as well as the importance of representation in today's games. We talk about his journey, his learnings, and what the developer endgame can be. I had a good time with him, and this actually ended up being more of a conversation than a developer interview. I'm curious to see what you think. Please welcome, representing the south of France, coming to us from the lovely city of Montreal in Quebec, Canada, Stefan Carmignani. Let's start the show. Bienvenido, bienvenue, welcome to the Out of Play Area podcast, a show by video game devs for game devs, where the guests open up one-on-one about their journey, their experiences, their views, and their ideas. No ads, no bullshit. Join us as we venture far out of the play area with your host, seasoned game designer, John Diaz. Are you drinking anything? I'm drinking a lot of things at the same time. I'm drinking coffee. Perfect. I'm drinking bourbon with ice and, and water. This is Stefan I know and love and have worked with. I have <laughs> my water. Damn, I the <laughs> this is just a Flemish sour. Nice. I, I like these little tardy. Ooh. Oh. Let's do this, man. I like I love these because it's like my head is in a different space. And then it's like a hard stop of like, oh shit, I gotta do the thing. Yeah. And then pour myself a drink. And it's great because normally I'm so bad at leaving work. Right, like, or stopping work at a certain yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's even worse now. No, I was about to ask, how, how do you make sure that you know this this is the end of the day? Because like everyone I talked to recently, that's their problem. They can't mm-hmm. stop. That there's no limit. There's no boundary anymore. So uh, they they have to put themselves like a hard stop. But then they receive a message on Slack, and they are like, oh, okay, let me turn on the computer again, and then yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, so this this has actually been good. Like the podcast has been good for me for so many different reasons, Steph. Mm. And that's one of them. It's like, yo, I'm booked with this guy. It's, it it's like a meeting. So my calendar's blocked out. Yeah. My wife's in charge of the dog, all the stuff. And work, you know, I put my slack away, all that. So nobody can permeate this bubble, right? It's like, and then when I'm done, I'm like, ooh, let me go back to work. But then I'm really like, you know, <laughs> I've been drinking yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. ah. Can't let, not a good idea. Let me leave it for tomorrow. Probably the best results when you're drunk. <laughs> hey, to that, sir. Sante, hey. brother. Cheers. Cheers. What type of bourbon? The the cheap one, Boulette. That's all I mean to you, Steph. <laughs> no, but it's because I, I like to mix it with orange uh-huh. juice and an ice cube, so I don't want to buy something fancy. Good point. So good it's something point. like 30 or 40 bucks the bottle, and I just mix it with whatever... 
<laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point for the for the kids out there it's very dumb to buy a high-end alcohol and then just to mix it right because you and don't like the flavor right away yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, i'll say this i like most of the things i do like with ice at least you know so some people will be like oh you're watering it down but i like it very chilled yeah and the, the older we get and the more ice you know i i, I put in there <laughs> I, i've noticed that like i went from like no ice at all everything has to be dry to maybe a nice cube or two and now it's like completely <laughs> full and then <laughs> fill in between the gaps you know with alcohol and stuff it seems like there's so much more yeah alcohol in there. yeah and i let it sit so it's like super dilated you know it's pretty cool i like it pro tips from the <laughs> veterans so what do you say man let's jump into this where are you at today what are you doing what's your role uh, well, I've been doing a lot of things recently, but the thing I'm focusing on, so right now I changed job, you know, I'm, I'm working for Rovio and I'm the creative director in the Montreal studio. So we're doing a lot of things. We're opening a studio during the pandemic. We're building a team and then we have like several projects that we kickstart you from scratch. Plus other things, you know, that we're, we're doing on the side, like we're, we're helping, you know, other projects. So we're doing all of this from home. <laughs> As we all are. Yeah, and, and it's not that difficult, to be honest. Surprisingly, I bet you that was a surprise. Yeah, I, I felt that there was no way we could sync up with the team and, and have a real connection with people and, and really kind of gauge and understand what they, what they think or what they feel, you know, when, when you're in a meeting and you deliver a certain message and, and there are a lot of things that you're, that you're missing. You know, obviously, because you just see a floating torso, you know, on screen. And, <laughs> and sometimes there's no, not even, you know, video or nothing. It's just, you know, a voice message. But yep. you kind of learn, I guess, more things, you know, like by just observing the little things that you that you have. And it, it's working super well. I feel like everyone is super professional, mm-hmm. mainly because they are not forced to go somewhere and to, like, you know, really divide their day you know like it's like they're at home they can do whatever they want you know like in between meetings i don't know what they're doing and i don't really care what matters it's that you know when, when we meet and we we have deadlines and, and we have deliverable it's there we can review it it's working everything else you know it's just a detail so in a certain way i feel like yeah we we got closer from each other's I, i'm even talking to people i haven't talked like in like decades and we are just like, okay, what about we call each other and, and we talk and we sync and it's been like 10 or 15 years. So, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, I'm with you. Like this, I get to speak to you. It's been a couple of years since <laughs> we last true. spoke. Yeah. You're right. I go into my director's and boss's boss's house frequently, right? Like I would, I would <laughs> never know what his office or his bedroom <laughs> looks like, true. you know. I'm in there, I see the books on the shelves, the games, yeah. and that's been fantastic. And you make a great point where, because we're working from home and it's like, we don't want to blow it. We don't want to mess it up. Yeah. We become extra professional. Like we're like more <laughs> professional true. than when it's we're at the true. office. It's, it's kind of funny. It's true. And plus you get, as you said, you get to see a little bit of what that person's, you know, life is. Like I'm looking at your background and I see all the jackets and stuff properly lined up and I see the books and everything. And like, it's kind of cool. You know, like I, I get to see something maybe I wouldn't see. <laughs> For sure. I, I usually keep a virtual background too, so I could be yeah. extra messy. <laughs> I can't tell you have a VR headset and all that kind of details, you know, like I wouldn't know. So can you see the, the yeah, live yeah, I can, yeah, I can see the lighthouse on the wall. 
it may very well be the new normal. I have a lot of skin in the game to say that hopefully we will stay in this hybrid model from yeah, now on. Like yeah, yeah. nobody can tell me ever again to be like, oh yeah, no, we got to all be in the office. Like I'll call bullshit. <laughs> it is true. And at the same time, you still have people that I've been working with a couple of people in the past months or the past year that, that couldn't leave the nine to five, you know, mentality. And, and they, they, you could tell it was difficult for them. Yeah. They would try to, time your day in a very specific way, you know, to optimize the time and you have to sit with them and say, you know, I don't have to optimize anything because I'm here all the time. <laughs> so you don't have to book the entire day meeting with me. You just call me, I'll answer. And then if I'm outside, I'll still answer. And you get your answer and, and, then, and then we go back to, you know, what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of freedom where I don't really care, you know, when you call me or where, where I, I am, you know, problems you call me. What matters is that you have a question, I might have an answer or like, you know, the opposite. And, and the rest is just a detail, you know? So, but it's very difficult for like certain people. Like you can tell some are like very stressed by the situation. They've lost all the, you know. <laughs> They've lost control. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I keep on saying people, telling to people to, to embrace the chaos up to a certain point. And then after that, you know, you try to organize your life around around chaos. I think you make a great point, Steph, where if you're the type of company that wants to be stuck in your ways, I think you're going to risk losing a lot of talent, right? It's, it's a big recruiting tool to go with the modern perspective and openness. Right? Yeah. And, and the more you insist on a certain way or control, the more you're going to fall behind, I think. Right. To your point, you got to embrace the chaos a little bit. Like there's a nice yeah. balance in the middle there somewhere. But it, it was, a, it was a, nice, a nice test, you know, for like a lot of big companies. Like before joining Rovio, I had a couple of interviews with companies and, and I would ask them, you know, uh, when they are like, do you have any question? And, and I would ask them, so what about, you know, uh, working from home and what about, you know, hybrid kind of solution where maybe, you know, like I, I come to the office two days a week and the rest of the time working from home and I can stay with the kids or do something like this. And I, I can tell you that a lot of them, they're like, fuck no, why? Once we go back to work, we go back to work. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Easy decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some teams, I guess, don't have the same luxury as other teams, right? But again, yeah. it's to their detriment because now we are more flexible and we have way more options than we used to in the past. Just hiring people, man. We are hiring people right now. And now I can, I don't have to say, well, you have to be in Montreal. And like, you have to be on a time zone that is still acceptable so that, you know, my day is your night and, and, and so on and so on. But at least we can have some, some FaceTime moments. During the day, a couple of hours, do you do your stuff? I do my stuff. We sync, you know. But now I can look at, I can, I can post, a, you know, an ad for, for, uh, you know, a job opening, and literally say, this, this is what I need. I don't even need you to be there. It's just be the best, you know. Yeah. Do the interview, and if you're really the best, then you do your stuff. I do my stuff, and we'll work together. Yeah, I know companies are dealing with like tax implications and I think the, yes. they're able to get around it with contracts, right? So if you're not full-time yeah. and if you're contract, yeah. then this kind of international boundaries doesn't even factor in anymore. It's, it's super interesting, but you're right. You can get the best talent, right? Mm-hmm. As long as the timing works out. What about you? Do, you? do you work from home? Do you go back to work from time to time? Yeah, I, I got the job with EA in October. <laughs> And I've never stepped foot in the office. I've never seen it. 
I'm dying to see it, bro. I'm such a guy. Yeah, like yeah. I love, I love the high tech architecture and the yeah. snacks, you know, and just seeing all the different desks. Yeah. And and I haven't seen any of that, man. And it, and it's in a nice location. It's like downtown, right by all the towers nice. and and Pioneer Square. And I've never stepped foot in it, not once. But for sure, it's it's like we kind of forget that for a lot of people, it's some kind of validation. You go into the office, it looks good, it looks expensive. You like it validates the fact that this is the right move. That was the right yeah. decision. Look at this place. They couldn't afford it if they were not, you know, in a good health. And now you hire people, and they are like, "But is the company?" You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay." <laughs> but they look at the background, and I have like tons of stuff, you know, behind me, and they go, oh, "Okay, we believe you." <laughs> <laughs> and they need that validation that yeah the company is doing great so you need to come up with different numbers to to validate that you know it's a thing man i remember when i stepped foot into warner brothers montreal mm -hmm. you know the location and the floors mm. and the roof deck and all that and the logo from afar right yeah. like, i was like oh my god this studio this is it man i definitely want to be here i want to work here i want to be a part of this <laughs> yeah you know yeah no exactly and to be fair, right, like the people, the people were what that place was all about, right? Like the building, I quickly found out like the building's awesome and the, you know, proximity to the metro and things like that were nice. But yeah, the the hardest decision leaving Warner Brothers was because of the people, for sure. Yeah. Well, did, did you leave for like another job or you just, you just got tired? Uh, yeah. Amazon hit me with the money, yeah, with the money yeah, bag. And I was yeah, just like, course, yep, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> It was to be fair, like it was it was totally like, hey, do you want to do, you know, the game thing? And, you know, we had we had gone yeah. through a lot over yeah. there with the, with the different projects that they caught me at a perfect time of like, oh, man, you know, I don't know if Gotham Knights is going to go. And so they were like, hey, we're working on the engine. Come help us build the engine. And at that point, they got me at this perfect space mentally and even kind of like empathetically where. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, game development, you know, you could spend all this time on one project and you'll never know. But if I go work on an engine, yeah. you know, the engine is just going to keep growing. and I'm going to see so exactly. many different projects. You're helping everyone and, and yeah. it's, you're like the center. I feel, I'm pretty sure I've watched a couple of videos. You, you did tutorials, how to use this, how to use that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen a couple of them. I, I tried, man. I tried. That is cool. It was cool. It was cool because, you know, for like a system designer, a technical designer, it's a lot of our job, right? Like we usually are walking the player through an experience. Yeah, so yeah. in this case, the game was how to use the tools and my player was the, the user developer, right? So it was cool talking developer to developer in that respect. Yeah, I thought it was smart. I looked at that and it was like, this guy understood everything. It could explain a thousand times to every single person or it could explain one time to a thousand people and yes. just do something else with his life you get it bro you get it it's all about scalability we were talking and speaking about building teams and yeah. hiring and things like this you brought up something super interesting where you're now able to look outside the normal disciplines for your team can you speak more about that yeah so okay i can't i can't really say a lot about what we're doing but i'm trying to look at the different needs from a different perspective and tell myself if it's not the designer that is in charge of this who else you know what kind of profile what kind of experience am i looking what kind of feedbacks and knowledge and yeah we hired a couple of people that were interested in for the gaming industry and and had a, a small experience in the gaming industry but came from like different backgrounds like we have someone that has a strong background in industrial design 
So wow. this kind of person, you know, are perfect for like, you know, defining metrics and navigation and making sure that everything, you know, is super tight, you know, in terms of space, volume. And, and so if you have someone like this in your team, that kind of experience, it comes naturally to them that they have to think about all this stuff versus a designer where you have to explain, well, think about navigation, think about this, think about the rhythm, the pace, and the feeling that you get when you enter that room. What, what are you trying to do or what are you trying to convey? And, and then after that, you know, you have to explain to them a little bit different tricks, you know, that, yep. that you've been using. But when Landmarks. and Yeah, like exactly. This. But with this kind of profiles, like it, it's my job. I've learned that. For real application, for like real physical. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at games, like what what works for real life tends to work for like you know also in the in the gaming world in terms of like world building especially. Yeah. You know, so obviously you don't have like all the the law of physics and all that stuff to to care about, but at least you know in terms of realism, in terms of like you know pure you know navigation of a human person in a space, mm -hmm. you know, then mm -hmm. then you get all of that. Yeah, I'm sure you're even looking at like able people access and, and things like this that game developers yeah. really don't even think about normally, right? No, exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. Like it gives you a different perspective and, and we kind of learn from each other. So I feel like it's the right moment to do that also. You know, like this kind of profile, I don't see us hiring it, you know, hiring that kind of people, you know, in a, in a bigger studio where everything is very segmented and there's like a job description that is very precise for every role and expectations and stuff. So yeah, it's a bit different. To your point, we have this ability now to hire anybody. And now we, we get to hear from people we wouldn't, it wouldn't be our first instinct to reach out to. Some of the things you and I spoke about were things like being mindful of the potential to make echo chambers, right? If, if yes. you get all one specific specialty and also forgetting to try to bring as much diversity to your team. Some of the, so yeah. those are some of the things we talked about, right? Like you have a dream team and you go, I want that person, that person, that person, but you have the potential to create what you call echo chambers and then you yeah. lose sight yeah. of bringing people that can bring a different perspective. No, for sure. A lot of studio are guilty of, of this, in, especially in Montreal. Like, well, it's, it's the same everywhere, but like people working on big IPs and it's been like 10 or 15 years and they tend to hire the same kind of profile as, you know, as the one that's on the, on the floor. And they don't, it's interesting because in their, in their minds, like they do one very small feature, they do one very small change and, and it's, it's a drastic change for them. But like for the people buying the products, for the consumer, it equals to nothing. Uh -huh. you know? so, but like, you know, like for the, on the subject of diversity, like I feel it's a, it's a topic on its own. It's one big topic, honestly, not there yet. Like you already know that, but like we are far from, you know, having like a workplace that is like a, and I'm not talking about Rovio, I'm talking about in, in general, you know, yeah. and, and I'm looking Across at Montreal. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of, you know, white dudes and, and there's not a lot, you know, other than that. I know that other studios are trying, like there's Phoenix Lab that just came, you know, that's opening a studio in Montreal. And I feel like they are like doing something good. Like mm -hmm. at least they, they seem to attract more diversity. So I I didn't really look into like the, the, the messaging, the, the way, you know, they they speak to people and what exactly to tell them so that they understand that I think this is a place for me versus working for like another studio in Montreal, but I feel like they're doing something right. That's kind of like, you know, when people say, hey, interview the interviewer kind of thing is whenever I'm talking to different companies or teams, 
that's something I'm more mindful of these days, right? It's like, hey, who who am I seeing across the vi- the camera now? Now it's the camera, <sighs> and it, and if it's all just one profile, you know <laughs> yes. that 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 tells uh, me something. I was about to ask you, like, did you put the screenshots of like the mugshot of everyone you've interviewed as a wallpaper and go, oh fuck, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> So, yeah, to your point, I try to kind of lay these out in order. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I try to do have, I try to put a sequence in, right? And my wife tells me, hey, people are going to figure out there's a pattern or blah, blah. I'm of like, course. It's a fucking pool, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to talk to yeah. anybody who will talk to me, right? But yeah, it's, it's a tricky subject, right? Like, but you know what? Like, I think, I think it's fine that we see a pattern because I think we need this. Like, we all patiently waiting for this to happen, you know, organically, you know, like having mm. different profiles from people coming from different places, different, you know, origin and sexual orientations and, and so on and so on. We, we are like waiting for this and we think, oh yeah, it will happen by itself. Organically, it will happen by itself. But you need to have a pattern at the beginning. You need to kind of go into a mood where you, you will tell yourself, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. This is the first time. You remember, like last time we had a conversation, you and me, and we were talking about what, why is there not enough, you know, women mm-hmm. or like people of color or like. But then let's look at the product we're selling, and let's look at the at the skin color and the genre that are represented, you know, in the games that we built or that we've built building for the past, you know, twenty or thirty years, and, yeah. and you'll be surprised. It, it's there's not a lot of variety. So if I were, you know. A person of color, and I would look at all the catalog of game. I, I would go. I think I like video games. But none of these characters are kind of representing me. I can't identify to the characters, so I will just take in the experience as a whole. But I won't invest myself in this because I don't recognize myself. So if the first thing that you see, you know, when you look at the cover of a game, is not someone that looks like you, yeah. that represents where you're coming from, then good luck getting all these people interested in, in the video game industry. And then after that, we're like, well, how can we have more diversity? I was like, well, one thing at a time, you know, first let's represent everyone in a game, because like, if you go outside and walk in the street, like you pretty much see everyone, everything, you know, it's like a big melting pot of, you know, of people, let's do this mm-hmm. and let's give them the time to a knowledge that, oh, well, I think this game or that product or that IP is is representing me. It's talking to me. I'm interested. And then after a while, and I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next, you know, five or 10 years, it will take a time. And people will probably get interested in, I want to make something, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to create something. I want to work in the video game industry. And, And that's when, you know, all these people will be more interested in this and we can talk about proper diversity. You know, so yes, we have to force it at, at the beginning and to to your point, like having a pattern is the first thing to do, to, to mm. say, look, yes, it's forced, but it's, yes. it's not forced because someone has a gun to my head and is forcing me to interview women. It's just, I want diversity in my podcast, so I will do it like this and, until it becomes, you know, natural and, and, you know, so I feel you need this. It, it's not a bad thing. 
these are challenging, tricky conversations to have, but the first place is, mm-hmm. is to have them. And if somebody wants to crucify me in a message, you know, so be it, right? Like, hey, I'm trying. We're trying to figure this out. I'm probably the wrong person to talk about all this, you know, but... <laughs> you're, you're, but you're, you're the best. You're, you're the I man. acknowledge all this. And <laughs> That's the first step. That's the first step. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it now because it's something you don't see addressed, right? People are quick to be like, hey, you need to have more representation yeah. on the development side. But at the same time, also put the representation in our game protagonists as well, right? Like not just in a character creator, uh, but course, really but build it, narrative around these people. It's a, it's a touchy subject. I don't know if you remember that game called, what was the name of that game? Where like, you know, you're a student and you can go back in time and... And you can change the past and impact the future and, and oh life is strange. Yes, 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 yes. So life is strange, they tried to do something and they were like, okay, like female characters and the cast is very um, diverse and, and mm-hmm. represent a lot of things. And the first thing people said was, yeah, okay, but it's a guy, it's a white guy writing the dialogues and the emotions and everything for a little girl, like a teenager. So everything is wrong. So you're like, okay, but what's what's the actual starting point for all of these yeah. you know they start by doing this and the next time the, the next game they release then it's going to be a woman fighting women's dialogues and, and so on and so on give them the time to readjust and you know yeah, yeah time, but <laughs> it's like you're never going to be 100 percent right no you're gonna you're always gonna get criticized for the thing you didn't do but i, I like i like what you're saying like they took a step to create the conversation, to get yeah, the feedback, yeah. to hear, hear what you people say. You need starting point. You need mm-hmm. to start somewhere, I feel. So by doing so, like, so that's why a lot of companies, I guess a lot of studio, they are, they are not doing it. Like they are not trying all these things that they would like to do because mm-hmm. they are scared of the backlash, Yeah, you know? But yeah. like at the same time, as soon as you start talking about that kind of subject, you need to accept that it comes with it. It's oh, like, yeah. let's do it. Let's deal with the situation when, you know, things happen and, and let's see. I'll say that, man. Like, I'm not claiming to be a, an expert or knowing the right, right or wrong way, but I'm just here to feed or foster or water a conversation yeah. in the spirit of learning more, right? Like, hey, here's what I think. I want to know what you think. Hey, what, what do listeners think? Help <laughs> us understand different ideas, right? Like, hey, that, that's that's all we had trying to have. You've done a lot. You have a lot of experience in this industry. You've been doing this for a while. You've done AAA single player. You've done cooperative experiences. You've done VR. I give you the option to pick what you want to talk about. You choose your destiny. I guess VR is uh, is an interesting topic, mainly yeah. because, like you know, the cost of, of the headsets came down so drastically that now, like pretty much everyone you know around you has has a headset or knows someone that has a headset. Yeah. Like four years ago, I was super elitist. You know, like having a headset <laughs> was like wow. You're making money. <laughs> yeah, or, or you're a, a super nerd, right? That like loves the, the <laughs> yes. technology. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was very interesting. I spent four years doing VR and it, it is a challenge. It's like you think you're coming from all these big AAA games and it's going to be, you know, work in the park and you just do the same stuff, but in VR and then you try it and it doesn't work. Everyone gets sick and then you realize, okay, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be fighting 99% of the time with, with motion sickness and discomfort. And I need to make sure that the experience is perfect and comfortable. 
once I have that, then I can start working on the actual game and gameplay and see what you know works and what doesn't work. Uh-huh. The, the honeymoon probably lasts for like two days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, VR. Yes. I tried something I had in mind for a long time and realized it is not working. I'm getting sick. Everyone's getting sick. It is a bad idea. It was driving stuff, you know? Oh. And so I was like, okay, so then let's go back to square one and let's see what doesn't make you sick. And once I have that, I understand that. And I'm going to build a game on top of this. Okay. You know? So the challenge that we had was that we were making a VR game for the arcades. And in the arcades, you know, like you have people that are gamers and that probably less prone to motion sickness because they probably spend hours playing first person shooter, yes. you know, so they are kind of used to that kind of, you know, quick movements and, and a lot of things going on. But you also have a lot of people starting with sometimes their parents or grandparents or like friends and people that don't play games. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, or they play games on their phone from time to time. And then you put a headset on their head and then everything can go wrong. Like pretty much, and and you have to deal with these people, you know, you have to deal with the onboarding, the tutorial, it's timed, you know, because it's VR, it's the arcade, so it's roughly, you know, 10 or 15 minutes long experiences, more than that, and then a lot of people get sick. So it's really a super condensed experience where you kind of accept it, you have absolutely no control. Mm-hmm. Like I can do a tutorial with you and then tell you, look over there. And if you don't want to look over there, then what do I do? Do I stop the game? <laughs> like I, need, I need to continue. Like, the, you know, like we, we kind of forget that when you do a tutorial in a regular game, you're going to say, I'm taking control of the camera and then look over there. And that guy is coming from there and have a nice cutscene. Everything's fine. You can't do that in VR. As soon as you take control of the camera, you take the person out of the experience. Like a good VR game should never do that. So starting with this, like, how would you make a tutorial? How would you make me go towards a specific area and ask me to do something? Yeah, yeah that's an interesting problem to solve, right? Well, we do, yeah. we, we solve problems, but the, you're right. You're marrying the new medium of VR. Yeah. That is actually a good fit for like smaller, more condensed experiences with arcades that are about yeah. Yeah. monetizing the amount of time you're there, which is also a condensed experience exactly. typically. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, right? You usually are all about like foot traffic in an arcade to, to yes. get people to look at things. Yes. Oh, that sounds fun. That, that looks cool. I want to see what they're doing. Yeah. How the hell do you do that when people, it's all about putting on the headset yeah. And and yeah. that personal experience. You need to have a good, what we call the attract mode, where, you know, like you walk down the arcade and there's a lot of noise and then your machine needs to stand out in a certain way. So you need to think about this. You need to think about throughputs. So how many people will go into your game per hour, you know? So you need to do some projection. Oh, I think that many people at that price for that long and so on. So. This is your potential throughputs. It could be better than that, could be less. There's also the size of your machine that is super important. Hmm. You know, how much money can you generate per square feet? Oh my goodness. Like they give you all of this. So this is arcade design. <laughs> I can tell you, it was like learning from scratch, like everything. And but it was interesting. And there's another thing we, we absolutely wanted to do is that VR, like if you talk to people, they kind of complain that it's a very claustrophobic experience. You know, you put the headsets and, and you're like in your world and you completely ignore what's going outside and yeah. you can't see, you can't hear, and people they they also can't really see what you're looking at. It's not super interesting. Like if you look at it, like when you were going to the arcade when you were a kid and you played Double Dragon with your friend, 
mm-hmm. or, or Street Fighter, you have a line of people behind your shoulder, yeah. like you know, the look over your shoulder, and they are looking at the game. And if you're good, then everyone goes, I want to play that fucking game. And if you're bad, everyone goes, I'm sure I'm better than him. Yes. You know, but whatever yeah, you put, do. Put my quarter on the screen. Yeah, you're attracting people. For, for VR, it's like, I see someone jump around with a headset. They look stupid. I want to look stupid. So you try to also make sure that the actions that they will do won't put them in a situation where they are like crouch on the floor with their ass sticking oh, out. And, and yeah. I need to think about all of this thing wow. because you kind of forget. Like mm-hmm. I could be going to the arcade wearing a skirt and the experience Damn. is all about grabbing stuff on the floor and I don't see that people around me like, yeah, because there's family wow. and kids. So like you, yeah. you need to take all of this in account. This is amazing. All the things you have to factor in just because it is a public setting. Right? Yeah, you're yeah, in an arcade. You have kind of, you're building for two people. You're building for the player in the world. Yeah, yeah. And then you're building for the spectators yeah. of the player outside exactly. of the world. That's exactly. crazy. So what we said, we said, like, let, let's forget about the single player. This, this is not working. It's too much. It's easy for us, but, it, but it's too much work to sell the machine, to sell the experience, to have people getting interested in it. So we said, no, we, we're going to make only multiplayer games, mm-hmm. you know, co-op games or like PvP games, so minimum four players, you know, so it's a big machine with four headsets and you all share the same play space. And when I put the headset and you put the headset, we see each other, you okay. know, you're in front of me, I can wave at you, you can wave So you're not back. alone. Yes. You don't feel alone. Exactly. So... We kind of break this first barrier that is, I'm not sure I want to put a headset on my head in front of like stranger and act like a fool and then remove the headset and have people laugh. Now we have four people, yes. so I feel safe. I'm like, you do. if I look stupid, we all look stupid. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's a big part. I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, this is taking me back to... Like the old, it was, it was, it was. I think it was Dance Dance Revolution, but then the yes. next version of that, like the Connect version. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of people dancing, and it's picking us all up. So it's like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing, but since I'm not alone, I don't feel that bad, right? I feel yeah. safer to yeah. look like a fool. No, but exactly I, I, it allows me to get immersed in the experience and kind of let the world disappear a little bit. Exactly. Mm. And yeah, and on top of that, we had to build the machine. So I think. You know, we've all built PC and both parts and, and fixed computers, but now you have to build like a big machine that needs to be solid enough that like, you know, a flock of kids can can like just arrive in the arcade and jump on the machine and try to scale the machine and it won't fall. It won't tip over. Is that it, something that you have to worry for? That's correct. That, for real? Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's, yeah. Wow. It is a lot of constraint, but it's a good thing because, you know, like it's better than starting a project and go sky's the limit and like, oh crap. What are we going to do? Like you already have like some, some, like a lot of constraints. So it, it kind of guides you. Yeah. You know, constraints so kind of, constraints yeah. are our best friend to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and all these arcade owners, you know, like they, they want you to succeed because obviously if your product is good, then they make profits and they want to buy another machine and sell that machine to other arcades. And, 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 you know, so it was, it was a fun experience until COVID, you know, Yo, that's right. I was about to ask you, like, like, oh, please tell me there's a healthy arcade market out there, right? There, there is, like, it's because of COVID, like, they closed the arcade, and obviously nobody wanted to put a headset on their face during the pandemic because, like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, even though I'm sure some people will have done it, like, we've all seen what happened this past year, <laughs> <laughs> <The> compilations of <laughs> a few videos, but... 
No, like we had to stop, and that's when I thought about like, do you want to? Do I want to continue into VR? And then you know, obviously, I, I wanted to do something else. But VR is going back full speed. They came up with like different solutions, you know, machine that will clean with ultrasounds, you know, the the headset in between every people. So obviously, the throughput, you know, is suffering. But if you look at, at pictures from these arcades, on the first day they opened, they had like people lined up all around the place. This is as bad as people, you know, like they, they want to go out, they want to play games, they yes. want to go back to the normal life. And I think the arcade has something comforting, going into an arcade and seeing all these old machines mixed with like new machines and, and, and you know, like in the clothes stuff with like the, the, the toys and it's very comforting, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you, you're in La La Land and, and, and everything's fine. So during the pandemic, like as soon as they opened the door again, I think people they were like, we, we need to go back to that feeling, you know? Hell yeah. I'm with you, man. So this, this machine, you built, you built this, is it live anywhere? Is there a few models? Is there any specific game? Yeah. So I think there's like over 30 or 40 locations across the world now. Hell yeah. 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 No, it was, it was pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure right now, like they, they will sell even more now that the arcade, you know, are, our opening, yeah, we started with we started with a game that is a cooperative game. Like, so do you remember the game Hungry Hippo? <laughs> of course, I so Hungry Hungry Hippo. Well, like, uh, this concept is cool and it's really super hilarious. Like, anyone plays like different generations. It's insane. Well, it's it's a resource grab, right? Yeah, exactly. So that so we took that game and we were like, how can we make it? like at least the base mechanic into an arcade machine. So we did that game called Chaos Jump, which is uh, you and your friend, you're part of a team and you travel through time and space. So you have that big uh, time machine at the center of the play space. And if you remove your headset, the time machine actually exists. We've built it. So it's like you see the machine blinking and you put the headset and the machine is there and you can touch it, you know? So it's like a weird feeling. So the, the, the goal is that you travel in time and you steal gold, you steal treasures. So it's team-based stuff. So obviously the team with like the highest score, you know, wins. Yeah. But among the team, you can also steal each other's, you know, resources. <laughs> and you have to protect each other as there are enemies trying to stop you. So you see a lot of situations where people, they, they play together until a certain point where they turn against each other to go back to playing in cooperative mode and so on. It was a lot of fun, and I think like it, this game really kickstarted everything. Okay, okay. And then we went into a more esports PvP kind of stuff, you know, uh, with oh. a game called Reclaim, which is really like a love letter to uh, to Quake Three, which is like a game that really you know had a big impact on me. <laughs> Hell yeah, you and a lot of this industry, man. Yeah. Like, so Quake Three was that your first kind of like competitive? land party game yeah well i played a lot of doom a lot of quake a lot of counter-strike a lot of quake is that how you got into level design yeah yeah but, but i was i was really into counter-strike and, and uh, unreal tournaments when they Damn. released the first editor like for everyone i was like i can't believe it there's a there's a professional editor at home with like proper tools it wasn't like worldcraft it was like super polished and i couldn't believe it like i would spend evenings just doing that this is actually a great segue where I never get to ask my buddies, where did you fall in love with games or game <laughs> development, right? And so you were a modder. Those are your origins. 
Yeah, well, I, I got a computer when I was 10. My, my grandpa got a computer to all his grandson. It was like, everyone gets a computer. I think it's the future. And at the time, I was like, I was 10. It was 1985 or 86. Where were you at this time? Well, I was in France. What part? The south of France. That's the beautiful part. Yeah, man, it's, it's super, super warm all the time. It rains a little bit and that's it. That's winter. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a computer and you know what? It, it's funny because I, I kind of looked for that specific model recently to see if I can find it. And, and I completely forgot that at, at this period in time, like when you bought a computer, it came with a massive book that would say, here's how you use it. Let's learn programmation. Like, let, let, let's code together. You will learn a language. And everyone would do it. I did it, you know? Yeah. And I've, I was building my own game at one point, very rudimentary games, but, you know, I would, I would, I would do it. Now, you don't have that anymore. You buy a computer and that, that's all kids. You go back home and you build the computer and you're like, now what, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, you're taking me back. It's like the act of getting the... It's like, um. all right, this is going to be a shitty example and I apologize in advance. <laughs> it's your but show. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I I would collect like gundams and models and things yeah. like this and so a lot of people are like oh yeah i like to buy the toy i like to buy the action figure so i can play with it but really i bought those models for the sake of building in them yeah. and then putting them together and then yeah i could play with them but yeah. the joy was assembling and learning how this thing is constructed and yeah we don't have that anymore with computers right like you have to put this shit together and and yeah. figure the os of the bios pretty much shit but you probably do the same now, like you're working on the game and it's like all cool and nice and the game comes out and you're like, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> so you've, you've, like, like tell me at least how many games that you shipped, you, you decided to play from beginning to the end once, once the game came out. Well, okay, I'll say this. you the homie. I've only got like one, two, three, like, I don't know, three, three or four games shipped. Yeah, but they are big games, like super big games. Yeah, yeah. So. And so luckily I had only spent, like, let me think about it. Like, it depends on how much time you spent, right? If you were there from day zero yeah. to shipping, yeah. the odds of you playing that game probably <laughs> yeah. are probably decrease. You've played bits of it, but not the entire experience. <laughs> I always came on a project into production. So it was like... Oh, I can't wait to play this at home. Oh, nice. Finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the exception being Red Dead 2. Red Dead 2 is the one time. Like, I always give everybody shit. I'm like, yo, you made that game. You didn't even finish it. Shame <sighs> on you, right? Like, I, I do that to everybody. Red Dead 2 is the only one that I worked on that I have not finished. It's the only one. Uh, yeah. It's a secret shame of mine, man. It's a crazy beast. It's not too big. Anymore. It's too fucking big, man. It is. It's it too is huge. fucking it's, big, man. But it's fascinating. You know, I was, like, recently, I don't know why, like, I'm really obsessed with uh, GTA V. Like, I've been playing that game, like... Recently. Right. Yeah, I, I've completed the game, like, a lot of time. And then I went into modding, and I realized all these amazing modes. And, oh. and now I'm completely obsessed. I cannot do anything else. On PC? Yeah, that's a difference. I go online, and I see all these people doing crazy stuff. And this is insane what they've done. It, it is an insane product. Even the online, like the fact that this oh, game man. is still yeah. Good call. going strong online, they're just kind of giving the world here, modify it, make it. Yeah, that's awesome though. Like they always go and they say, "Hey, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks," <laughs> or, or you know, people change or people never change. But like, yeah. I yeah. see your your DNA persisting, right? Like the yeah. Stefan yeah. that was modding 
Unreal maps and Quake yeah, maps yeah. and using editors. You give you give him an editor and you're gonna take it and run with it. But but you see, like that's the thing. I'm fascinated with this trend, which is UGC, like everything that yeah. is user generated content. Like all these people are creating platforms and, and, and they are like, go do something with it. And yeah. and yeah, you see a lot of crap, but you see a lot of crazy things, man. It it is fascinating. Like if you, if you have the chance to download a couple of them, it is just insane. It's like nonstop, a new experience, a new something. Well, which ones are we talking about? Like what, what are some of the ones? Oh, well, so I, I started with Roblox, obviously, mm -hmm. like everyone. And I'm not demographic, but I understand that if you had this idea, you know, in 2006, 2007, you deserve the success that you have right now because fuck, nobody was talking about this kind of platform in 2006-2007, it was all no. about like big AAA, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six and all mm -hmm. this stuff and you know, it has to be an experience and these guys they were like, well, actually it can be everything, anything you want, you know? Is that how long Roblox was in conception? The, the release, the initial release date was September uh, 2006. What the fuck? I didn't know that, dude. I just, I just started hearing about these like last year. I know, I know, and 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 you're going to hear even more now that they yeah. went public. Oh, dude, did you get in? Did you get in? No, I got, I got, no. I got some shares. I keep on doing this. Like years ago, a super geeky friend of mine was like, "You have to go into Bitcoin. It's amazing, Bitcoin." Oh I, yes. Oh my god! Tell me you got Bitcoin. No. Tell me you got Bitcoin. No, because I was like, dude, you're so geek. It's it's embarrassing. It's like, fake money. It fake doesn't money even exist. That you pay with, like I was like, what the fuck do you want me to do with it? <laughs> now, like I didn't talk to that person. So, like, if, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry, <laughs> I was stupid. But yes, now I'm a specialist in in missing this kind of opportunities. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah, dude, a so, Roblox. So you a little bit of Roblox. So I, I'm I'm sure. I'm a small enough podcast where I don't have to say shit, but you know, I'm not a professional. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I got my Roblox, I got my Bitcoins. Oh. And and I've had this conversation with a few people and I and I'd like to I'd like to have it with you is what's the end game? Is there an end game for you, Stefan, as you know, design director or creative director in in in, in what we do? Because so far, everybody I've spoken with is like, hey, I'll retire, but I'm just going to keep doing the same shit I'm already doing. Yeah. So it's like, what does that look like for you out of curiosity? If you've thought about it, right? Because a yeah. lot of people are like, oh, yeah, game developers burn out before 10 years, right? But there's a few yeah. of us that manage to hold on. Yeah, I think the, the first five years are the more difficult. And if you can get <laughs> with this and, and without praying too much, then I guess you're good to go. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> But yeah, no, when I would love to be able to create some kind of a similar platform and so that when I retire, I can continue building stuff from that platform, building experience, building modes. I think that that would be the dream. I'm really obsessed by electronic, you know, building machines and, and building arcade machines at home and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love it. We can, like I, I tell the girlfriend, look at me now with like my soldering iron yeah. and stuff like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy, that's cool, man. If we ever we ever get to like a cyberpunk reality on Mars, I know one of the people I'm gonna invite into my little bunker. <laughs> what, what are you planning to do when I retire? Yeah. If I retire, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're going to retire. <laughs> what does the fucking end game look like, bro? 
I honestly haven't thought about it. And so I'm kind of cheating, right? Like I'm interviewing all of you people yeah, yeah. to to get ideas for yeah. myself because all I know is that I love this kind of cloud gaming yes. space, right? Yes. Like I love the fact that I can play a game from wherever. I don't, yeah. it doesn't, my, yeah. the power of my machine is only limited by the bandwidth that I can get. Yeah, right? Platform agnostic is, is like really perfect. And the next thing for me is really the, the same application to development, right? So yes. I don't want to be tied to my beefy ass you know, <laughs> RTX 3800 yeah, yeah, yeah. video card and power supply to do what I do. I want to be able to work and develop in the cloud, yeah. build this shit, check it in, right? Like no no perforce restrictions and, and merger issues, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's what I'd like to be. Right, because I I don't think I would stop, man. I think the only thing that would change is that I have enough, <laughs> I have enough dividend or interest money coming yeah, that, in. That's the thing. Once you're comfortable, you're like, you know what? Let me help you all. Good <laughs> 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 advice for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can make the games that I always said I wanted to make or whatever. But, but you know, this, this is something I, I I just know you a little bit, like and. For, from working with you, you know, at, at Warner Brothers. But th th this is something that I would totally see you do. Continue that podcast and continue interviewing people and have young people and all, all the people, uh, you know, all the game developers. And what I would like to see is more of what you're doing, more people getting interviewed, then we kind of understand the background and, and what kind of, what did they do? You know, like what... How do they manage to enter the, the video game industry? What what was mm. the you know the diploma that they got or like what whatever the fuck you know is 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 relevant for this? This is super super interesting. Like I have a lot of people reaching out on LinkedIn and asking me how do I get a job in the video game industry? Oh, yeah. What what do you think I should study? And I'm like, what do you like in the video game? And then let's start with this because yeah. probably the stuff that you like you will like making them even more. You know, so let, let's start with like understanding what you like in video games. And then after that, like I can probably tell you that there are different schools and different options and different things for you and, and maybe like kind of lead you toward the studios that are more prone to hire, you know, juniors and have them, you know, uh, take more space. I feel I feel that would be an interesting podcast. And there's another thing I love, I think, and, and it would be nice if it was part also. Of that podcast, you see, I'm becoming your manager in this podcast. Oh, bro! No, you, you, you're, the, you're the man. You're the man, sir, because you were you were one of the. You, I remember you were one of the first people that were just like, "Yo, I love it. Keep going." Where I like, don't stop. He asked this, asked this, asked. I want to know more about that. And so, yeah. it, you were one of the handful of people that kind of gave me the spark to be like, "Okay, I have no clue what I'm doing." <laughs> But it, it much is, is the same as my game development career, right? I have no fucking clue what I'm doing, yeah. but I'm not shy about it. I'll acknowledge that, yo, I need help. I need feedback. And, I, and I'm damn good about listening to the shit and adjusting the knobs, right? Yeah. Again, going back at it. So thank you, man. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But I think, I think you've reached a point, and all of us, we, we've reached an age and, and a point in the career where we can start looking at other projects and give advices and... Mm -hmm. and we're not going to tell you how to give you the solution, but we can tell you go toward that direction. You might see, uh, you know, uh, better results. You know, yeah. and that, that's something also I kind of enjoy recently working with different people that work on different projects and and look at the problematic they try to solve, and they are too into that problematic. And you arrive from the outside, and you're like, well, I guess 
this is working, this is not working, maybe you should invest more time in this, forget about this for now, yeah. you know, and, and now you kind of laid out some kind of, you know, future plan for them you yeah. know, in terms of production. I think that's one of the things that makes you a great director, to be fair, is like you have empathy because you know what it takes to do the job. And I've seen you kind of roll up the sleeves and get hands on. You'll be like, all right, step aside. Let me do the thing. Or as soon as you're gone, I'm going to hang out. I'm going to check your stuff. I'm going to make some <laughs> modifications. But like you're also great at nudging in the right direction without giving the answer, right? So the letting them figure it out, but helping guide them. And I think that's super important for anybody who manages team or talent. I, I do have one last question for you before we, we shift gears. So like we, we're not getting any younger, like we're, we're getting old and, <laughs> and, and there's new generations coming in the industry and, 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 and obviously the, these new generations, they, they have all the proper tools, they have like the tutorials, yes. they have access to everything. So when they start on day one, sometimes I'm, I'm looking at some of the junior we have and it, it is impressive. Like they, they know a lot of different things and, and they, they can do scriptings. And, and when you ask them about, like, can you do this and that? They're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've followed the tutorial. I know exactly how to do it. I've done that yesterday evening at home. I was testing stuff. And you're like, Jesus, fuck. They, <laughs> they are more equipped than us, but they don't have the experience in mm -hmm. terms of like they cannot really predict the future. And from time to time, they'll, they'll be mistaken. And we are here, you know, that you kind of guide them and help them, you know, figuring out, you know, what, what's the best solution based yeah. on all the, the knowledge there. But but you feel sometimes that you're reaching a point where you become maybe irrelevant. So it never it never happened to you. You're like, no, I think I'm I'm, I'm still good. You're making us look at some hard realities because you're right. <laughs> like I look at I look at some of these juniors or new bloods that you know grew up in the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And they can have a YouTube video and be reading something and implementing something and then thinking about something else. And it's it's not a thing. And I think I came up or you and I both came up in the, in the space of we were used to reaching across yes. disciplines and messing yeah. with tools. Yeah, yeah. And so we had a leg up over the specialist that was like, OK, I only know paper design Obviously, right? Yeah. Or, I, yeah, or yeah. I only program or I only do art. Right. And so. And so those people, the next wave was us, right? Like the, the multidisciplinary, right? We can get in the level, we can get yeah, in the scripting. Yeah. And then the next wave is what you're saying. Yeah. It's the generalists that are like, yo, I wear, I've done animation, exactly. I've modeled, exactly. <laughs> I've designed, I've coded, like anything you need, yeah. I got it, right? I didn't, I didn't have the same kind of pressure we did because like at, for us, it's fine. It, it was fine to say, I, I don't know. Does yeah. anyone here knows? No, okay, let's figure it out now. Yeah. If someone goes, I don't know, everyone will go, didn't you watch the fucking tutorial? It's <laughs> everywhere on the internet. How come you don't know? <laughs> no, for real, like, I'm talking Yo. to these guys and, and they have that kind of stress that they're like, I can't say I don't know because obviously the information is available everywhere. If I don't know, it means I didn't take the time to even think about my stuff. Versus me arriving in a meeting and I'm like, well, this I know, this I have no fucking clue. But they, they won't say anything because I'm the older guy. So they're like, well, yeah. it fits with this profile. <laughs> I have a free pass, you know. No, 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 Stefan, I'm so glad you called that out, man. I think that's something that we can never stress enough is you come on these big teams and you're hired to do a role or a job and you're surrounded by experts and veterans. Yeah. 
in their craft and we want you to use them and don't ever feel like, oh, I shouldn't, I should know. Exactly. If it's going to take you more than 10, 10 minutes, <laughs> reach out, man, book a meeting, yeah. hit somebody up on Slack, ask for help, ask for advice. It's okay to say you don't know. Once you're hired, <laughs> once you sign and you're hired, it's okay to say you don't know. It's no, okay. for sure. But, but you see, like recently, i give you an example. I, I was like in a design meeting with another studio and I'm, I'm kind of helping them figuring out what they want to do with the, the project they have. And at one point, it was an official meeting with everyone and they got grilled by everyone. It was like, what about this? What about that? And, and I could tell they were like, we absolutely need to answer, but we are lost. So I had to reach out discreetly on Slack and say, hey, yo, it, it's fine. You, you don't need to answer this. Just tell them, we know, we'll figure it out once we, we get there. But for now, the you know, yeah, and, and nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. like I was sneaking on the side and it was like, don't, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out all together. Just say that. And then they came back to me after and they were like, oh, fuck, man. I thought I, I had to answer and I was like, I about to panic and just, you know, <laughs> close, yeah. close, zoom, unplug. I'll go to bed and you'll never see me again. And I was like, no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't care about that. It's fine. But you see, like, they, they don't feel it's fine. Like, they feel that they have to answer yeah. everything. No, no. I mean, I, w- I was I was totally like that myself when I first got in, right? Like, of I was just tr- trying to do all the things. It's that never-ending imposter syndrome, right? Like you just want to please. You want to yeah, have the answers. You have to live with this and, like, pretty much uh, the entire career, especially if you're on the, on the front, on the front line. You yeah. need to have a big ego and... <laughs> There is definitely a profile of people that end up in like those roles, man. But I love it. I love it, dude. Like, we don't have the answers. We just have experience to to share and let people know it's okay. Maybe that's the game, you know. Old fat giving advices. <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> the, the fact that there's like design consultation as a thing is always been amazing and abstract to me right the fact that teams will hire someone from the outside to come in that has no connection with the team or the project for their expertise yeah but the truth is that when you hire someone like this most of the time if not all the time you already have all the answers it's just in toward a certain direction and you will agree or disagree with that person but at least you need these people they are just there as like you know almost product manager you will look yeah. at the product and they will barely give advices. It will take in everything you tell them and then they will go, well, this one is the most logical based on like the situation, the cash that you have and so on. And yeah. everyone goes, oh, shit, good advice. But it's like you already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, I love that you framed that. I never thought about it, but you're right. And that shit is worth the money most of the time, right? Like when you're second guessing yourself, it's like, man, I don't know. I think we got a good plan. And, you know, this is the roadmap for the next five years, a.k.a. hundreds of millions of dollars. (laughs) (laughs) So it's worth, you know, whatever, whatever uh, five figures. Yeah, yeah so five for, figures to get that uh, validation. For, for the listening, so John and I have that new service. <laughs> we give you advice. Please invite us. We're fine. We're fun. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I like it. This, this is definitely going to turn into uh, uh, an advertisement. Like <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Steph, dude. The drinks, yeah. the drinks are hidden. I can feel me getting flushed. I'm having a great time with you. Perfect. Let's let's wrap this up before it gets out of hand, and then we break NDAs and shit. This is what I'm calling the lightning round, and yes. I just ask you, clean, 
clear questions. You give me an answer, and we move on. Right. Cool. Here we go. What's the last game you finished? It was Captain Todd on the Switch. Captain Toad, hold on, it I gotta look this up. Amazing. It's a game where you have a treasure small, tracker. Uh, yeah, and you have small dioramas, and they hide you know treasures, and it's like a platformer. Oh, Toad from Toad from Mario. Oh, it's uh, deceptively complex. Like you start playing, like oh, first level, cool, second level, and then you've been playing for like hours and super complicated, super intricate level design. So like if someone is into level design and wants to understand how to make a lot with like a small space and a lot of restriction. I think that's the game I would say, well, buy that game, play it, study it, because there's a lot to unpack. It is an insanely good game. Is it like some Monument Valley kind of isometric? Yeah, there's a little bit of this and, and a little bit of platformer and a little bit of like, you know, they do a lot of things like, you know, like all, all these Mario games and all like, you know, it's not a Mario game, but to me, like it's the same family of you know yeah. games. Like they, they have a lot of like, you know, exotic gameplay and, and, and interesting, you know, mechanics that you don't see, you know, anywhere else. Oh, you've seen it somewhere, but they are the first one to properly using it. And you're like, well, this, this is like the right way to do it. Dude, that is a fantastic recommendation on the Nintendo Switch. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yeah. I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna I'm gonna put my <laughs> wife on it. I'll be like, yo, babe, check this. She loves that. She loves like little puzzle platforming kind of thing. She was a big Astrobot. I think Astrobot was like her game of the year last year. She's She's sweet. Definitely good to like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't asked this one. This is specific for you because you, <laughs> you've operated in this space. Is what's the last arcade game that you played that you didn't develop? Last arcade arcade that you played like the machine and everything yeah it's i can't remember the name it was a jurassic park game with the like light a, gun a shooter but, oh yeah, yeah. gigantic screen and, and the gun was like massive it was like some kind of terminator kind of you know yeah kind of and um, it was very it was very good those are fun those are fun did you yeah. play like the halo version of that there was a halo oh, version yeah, that's right. it's, man. It's, really it's, it's also good yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I love about arcades is when they give you the peripheral. That, that's the secret of arcade and that gives you something that you can't find at home. Yeah. Last book you read or heard? The last I read was it's the autobiography of Mike Tyson. It's called The Undisputed uh, Truth. The Mike Tyson autobiography, Undisputed yeah. Truth. Yeah, nice. it, it's brutal. It, it is just, it's raw. And it's 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 one of my childhood, you know, idol. I, I absolutely oh, love yeah. my cousin. Like oh, yeah. when when he fought, like you know, recently, I was like, shit. Everyone is watching TV tonight <laughs> with Roy Jones. Yeah, yeah I'm going to watch my Tyson's fight. No, he, looked it's, it's, he looked good. He looked good. The age, Jesus Christ. But, but no, the, the the book is super good, and it, it talks about the childhood that he had and how he he, he came to become the the person he is and all the the key people in his life and it really makes you think about the fact that there's there's only a handful of people in your life that really impacted you and and and, and molded you you know into the person you are yes you know and it's really it's really obvious when you read that book this is a fantastic recommendation this this went immediately into my kindle i bought it right away there's another one that went right before that was good it's called a small fry from the the daughter of um, steve jobs She's talking about like Steve Jobs from the outside, from a different perspective. She's mm. like, uh, 
this guy was my father, but this is how we interacted with each other. This is how we interact with people. And this is, this is the person he was in private that probably you didn't know about. And, and it's, a, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. And this, this crushed me. I had to read it in several, you know, sittings. As a father, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah. It's, it's really tough to read. <laughs> Yo, thank true. you for those. Thank you for those recommendations. Those are two strong characters that I, I love and I know and I've, I thought I've read and watched everything about them. So more stuff for the ammunition. I love it. Okay. the What's the thing you enjoy most about this job? About this job, I would say interacting with people. Hmm. You know, like I think it's the most rewarding part of, of the job, you know, having people from different horizons, different, you know, culture and, and it's very Montreal, like everyone's coming from somewhere. Yeah. I fucking love it. it. It's just like when I was in France, we had like people coming from Europe. It was the same mentality. It was kind of the same people with just different language, you know. You can you get to experience different cultures and different things. It's it's really great. Like this is the part I think I love the most. With that, with that, like a lot of people say New York City is the melting pot of the world, but I always insert Montreal into that conversation because Canada is just more open to this, right? And yeah. and specifically Montreal being multiple languages and things like that yeah it's interesting to all have the the, the same common goal that is like we need to ship that stuff mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. so like it is a really interesting experience hell yeah man i think that's i think that's what makes a certain dna of the game development up there i say montreal is kind of the yes. the biggest game development hub it in is. On the continent yeah. and, right? and it's about to become even bigger this year next year like probably a little amazon fucking built the studio dude when i was there I was telling them like, yo, we need a we need a studio in Montreal. Send me to go build that shit, right? And yeah. they finally did it after I left. There's probably someone looking for you over there, like, where the fuck is that guy? Like he had an idea and I wanna tell him the good news. I can't find him. <laughs> oh shit. What's your favorite part about working from home? I think it's having the kids around. Like mm. I, I thought it would be an issue and I and I was like, it's going to be a nightmare. And and sometimes I'll be honest, it is it is a nightmare. Like sometimes I'm happy. Like they, they have to go to school. Like, oh yeah, you have to go to school. Oh, good for you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> but I think, I think it's cool because you can literally take a break during the day and say, okay, uh, grab your scooters, we go out. Like, let's do something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that that kind of freedom and mm-hmm. it's going to be hard like to remove that from like every parent. If if we go back to normal, you know, if we can call that normal, then you know it's it's going to be tough. Definitely. Yeah. That, I think that's precious, man, to be able to take these breaks yeah. in the middle of the day to kick it with your loved yeah, ones, yeah. unplug, you know, recharge, exactly. and then come back to the to the yeah, problem you were dealing yeah. with with a different perspective. And if I want to drink 40 coffees, nobody's going to judge me, you know, <laughs> I can do it and regret it after that. But at least I'm at home, so, you know, nothing wrong can happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's the thing you miss most about being in the office? It's a good question, and I didn't. If anything, I don't know. Probably, I probably remember like when we were at Warner Brothers and having like the Friday drinks with the team, you know, on the rooftop terrace and happy hours. Yeah, we we do that kind of stuff, but we are all like at home, and and it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same, you know. Like you you want to have the the background noise and the music and 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 the feeling that you know like yeah. 
we've all we all deserve that and we all yeah. slow down and stop at the same time and enjoy a drink and we may have like differences and, and we may argue about like a lot of things during the day but then on the friday afternoon end of the day we all agreed that we need to stop and we need to have a drink together and, and yes. then you know do something different and i think this is the thing i probably most that means the most you know i'm with you i'm with you the the virtual Friday happy hour is yeah, not quite the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Uh-huh. And you're right. That was so vital to a lot of the culture. Yes. And some of the best decisions or, no, or it, it, this problem is solving. The, the studio culture is different to install because like it's 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 through like all these different things, all these different events that you really get what the studio culture is all about. Like it's the people, but also what they do outside of job, you know, mm-hmm. And you kind of miss that. It's like, okay, bye, talk to you later. And then we don't see each other and I don't know what you're doing. And, and, and that's yeah. it. You know, that's so it. Um, we're, we're kind of missing this, I guess. That was huge, especially when you're a multi-project studio where you get to find out what the other studio, yeah. what the other project is yeah. dealing with. Yeah. You can like share ideas. Or like, hey, you got to come play test this. Or, hey, you know, let's go check exactly. this out on Monday. Yeah, no, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, dude. Damn, that's a good one. Okay. Last one of the lightning round is if you were not doing this, yes, what would you be doing instead? I mean, like video games. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be trying to trying to make music. Like, yeah, like, that's my passion since I, I was a kid. You know, since I've started learning the piano and all this stuff. So I always wanted to do this, but obviously it's a, it's difficult. It's a, it's a very grateful kind of a, kind of world, you know. It's a, it's it's weird. What do you play? Uh, I started playing the piano, then play the guitar, the bass, a little bit of drum. And uh, recently, what I'm doing is just I'm using a computer to like kind of mix everything together and, and quickly, you know, prototype ideas. You know, like you have an idea, and before you have to plug everything and take the time. And by the time you everything's ready, you ever forgot the ideas or like it, it evolved into something different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you can say, oh shit, I think about something. Boom, you record it. Yeah. You know? And then you forget about it and then you come back to it later. So I would probably do that. Invest more time, be more serious. Oh, um, yeah. Into, like, you know, working into like, you know, a career, musical career. I'm glad you said that. If I had to guess, like somebody asked me on the street, what would Steph be doing? I'm like, yo, he'd be a musician. That would have been my first guess. So that's, that's cool. All right, brother, we're wrapping this up now. I want to know if you had a good time on the show. A little tradition we have here is we ask you to nominate someone else who you would like to see fall out of play area. This could be, you know, they have to be a game developer that shipped at least one game and somebody that you think is very insightful, has a lot of information to share, or somebody you just would like to see get interviewed. Yeah, uh, I have so many, uh, so many people in mind, but I think I'm hesitating between between two two persons. You can drop two if you want. Yeah, so like the, the first one I think would be uh, uh, Reed, you know, Reed Schneider. Reed Schneider, shout out. Yeah, because like yeah, we 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 work together at at Electronic Arts and then one brothers and I and I got to see him as you know executive producer and then after that like with a different role then go back to executive producer then he got to open his own studio and and kind of like you know uh, build that team build the studio oh that's right project. you work with him on army of two yeah 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 we, was it we was it together. devil's cartel which one no it was uh the 40th day 
40th Absolutely. day, that's right, the second one. Like, yeah, with uh, Alex Hutchison and, 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 and all these guys, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Price. And, and I forgot, bro, you were old EA blood. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we have a shared lineage. I mean, yes. we work together at Warner yeah. Brothers, but we also now have shared roots in EA. Yeah. I like it. We're fellow exactly. electronic exactly. artists. So, yeah, I, I, I would love to hear from him, like, what went right and what went wrong when, when he decided to go into yeah, this initiative. And obviously, a, a lot of things went right because like they managed to do a lot of oh, yeah. physical things. And the, the that game is, is fantastic, man. Journey to the Savage Planet. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm very curious about all of that. And he's a very insightful person. I guess the kind of guy you can call and, and, and get advices. You know, so he's good at giving advices. I think, I think he would make a good guest. Hell yeah, dude. I'm glad you dropped his name. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's always a good sign if it's somebody you work with at one studio who you would leave and follow with at another studio when they start a project, right? That's always a great sign. No, exa- exactly. And I, and I guess the second person that I was mentioning is Julie Ants. She's a level design, now she's level design director at, at Phoenix Lab, but she's probably the best level designer I've met, like in terms of like the way things are organized in all boxes and they don't overlap onto each other's and it's really a knot. You know, I've been trying to learn from her. You try to teach this to other people, it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very interesting way of thinking and a good, a very good like opinion or insight on, on this entire industry, especially in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So I, I love having people like like this, you know, around me that that kind of, you know, you know, I'm kind of everything or nothing. But these people, they are like, you know what, it's not yes or no, it could be great, it could be like, there's a lot of nuances. And yeah. let me show you. So like, this kind of person are really, really interesting. I think I know what you're talking about. I want to be sure it is who I think it is. Either way, that's super exciting because we need more level design people talking about their craft. So that's fantastic. I, I, I think thank you so much for both of those for the both of those name drops. I suspect Reed will be busy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hound him good until he says yes by submission. Yes. <laughs> okay, so where can people reach out to you or see your work, or if you're hiring or anything like that? Yeah, well, I, people usually can reach me out like um, on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not super good with the other social network. I usually go there because I, I interact with friends, but like interacting with other people, it's it kind of gets lost, you know, in, in the void. But LinkedIn yeah. is usually the, the, the platform to go. And like, that's, that's where I answer all the questions. And I have people reaching out and asking me for advice. And that, that's where I actually, you know, take the time, you know, to look okay. at different messages and, and answer back. So I would say, I would say LinkedIn. Okay, fantastic. I'll put the, I'll put your LinkedIn in the show notes. People reach out to you. You make yourself available. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any, closing words for the listeners out there anything before you go if you're curious about the video game industry or how to build a career or where to start i think like john and i are here you can, you can reach out and, and ask and, and and maybe you'll end up on the podcast you know at one yeah. Point and, and, yeah and and be like yeah you're, you're the guy that's told me to do this and now i'm here so yo that's my dream yeah, steph if, yeah. if one person gets into the game and they can cite either you or me, you know, this, this will have been a success. Yes, I do agree with this. <laughs> Fantastic, brother. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I value you. Thank you. It was great connecting with you. And we will see you again, my friend. Yes. All right. Stay safe. 
I didn't realize until I went back to edit this one that Stefan had managed to smoothly flip the table on me and get me drinking and talking. It felt like we both forgot that the mics were even on. It can be like that sometimes, and I'm alright with that. I remember just having a good time and reminiscing, being happy about where he's at today and what we've both been up to. What did you guys think about what goes into designing an arcade for a VR or designing VR for an arcade? It's not a lot of people that I know that have put work into thinking about all those nuances and what it means to physically play in VR in public for multiple players with people watching. It was fascinating. Of course, the pandemic put a wrench into that for that time, just like it did for my killer queen habit around here at Attaball or Icebox. We covered some delicate ground and even though I'm Dominican and consider myself Hispanic and he's French, we both acknowledge we need more input on the topic of growing and fostering and nurturing a diverse team, as well as building out more interesting protagonists and game characters so that we better serve representation for the greater population of our games. If you have any ideas on the topic, I'd love to bring you on the show and talk more about it. I dug how Stefan takes to a level editor and how he's been a long time modder since Quake and Unreal back in the day. You can see how far that curiosity and passion have gotten him today, where he's now a creative director. I mean, if you're a designer, where do you even go from there? That's why we touched on the topic that we rarely talk about, which is what the heck is our end game? Where will we be and what will we be doing when we don't have to do this anymore? If we ever get to that point. Do you wonder that for yourself? The metaverse is a super popular topic these days, and I imagine that it'll only keep growing as Oculus headsets become more prominent. And this work from home and virtual workspace thing keeps maturing. And things like Roblox and Core and other offerings keep maturing and letting everyone and their moms become game developers, building game content. Even even Dreams, I think, is a popular one. Let me know if you get down on any of those. I'd love to pick your brain and understand what it was like developing those and what it's like playing those and fostering that community. It's a great time to be in the industry. I'll tell you that for sure. On the next episode of Out of Play Area, we invite our first producer onto the show. Jesenia Cisneros is a lead producer for Brass Lion Entertainment, who has had a wild journey through this industry. She comes from humble beginnings in Queens, New York, coming through on esports, working for Xbox, being a tester, moving into content management, and eventually finding her happy place as a producer at Signal Studios then onto the Pokemon company, then onto Mojang, and before where she got to where she is today. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss when we drop that one on Monday, September the 13th. As always, devs, please spread the word to another developer if you found the show insightful or entertaining. And if you know someone who has a heck of a story and would make a solid guest, hit me up. All of the contact info is readily available at outofplayarea.com. We drop new episodes every other Monday, everywhere podcasts live, even on YouTube. As always, devs, I'm your host, John Diaz. Until next time, stay strong, stay true, and stay dangerous. Mega Ran, you know what they want to hear. Fight attendants, prepare for takeoff. Captain crew, please take your seats. We are now about to enter the out-of-play area. Yeah. If you can't reach me, I apologize 
Since we out of play, I never compromise. John D, NYC, know we got the vibes. Make sure you hit that follow when you hit subscribe. Out of play, area podcast. Out of play, out of play, area podcast. It's just a little something for the game devs. Stay strong, stay true, and stay dangerous. Had to switch the styles for a challenge. Best thing out of Harlem since Young Miles Morales. A new podcast comes to provide the balance. With game dev veterans and rising talents. Out of play. Welcome to the Out of Play Area Podcast. A show by game devs for game devs. With no ads, no BS, just the real.